Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Good afternoon. Right on, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Hall. There has been a lot in what promises to be a busy offseason, whether it's speculation over the number one draft pick and Justin Fields being traded or the execution of the closing on the land in Arlington Heights. And Dan Weeder. The 2023 Bears are made for the offseason. They are a dream in terms of content, in terms of debates, in terms of talking points, in terms of developments. We're just getting started. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Haw from the Homolian Haw Show on 6-7 to score. Dan Weeders from the Chicago Tribune covers the Bears. We are in the midst of summer. That's a dead <laughs> period on the NFL calendar. There is plenty of stuff to talk about. The NFL never sleeps. And we'll talk about some things and break down some position battles. But, Dan, this is the uh, the beginning of, of a time of year where you just really, if you're a fan of a team, if you are an employee, a coach, as we talked last, you don't want any headlines. <laughs> you really don't want any controversy. You don't want any rumors. You want it to uh, look ahead to training camp in the beginning of, of that cycle without anything changing from the time you went away. Yeah, and if your starting quarterback's going to do anything during summer break, you hope it's going to Europe to help kids learn football rather than going to a hallucinogenics clinic to talk about the value of hallucinogenics. That's just me. That's I'm not speaking in any specific terms here. It'd just be my general rules for or, NFL quarterbacks. Yeah, and you would like to have your NFL quarterback, especially your starter who was unproven, try to avoid making news on social media by wishing his rival's fan base a happy Father's Day. <laughs> that would be recommended. But hey. short of that, without the Packers and Aaron Rodgers to discuss or Jordan Love any longer, we'll focus on the Bears and Justin Fields, Matt Eberflus and company. There's plenty to get around to. I have some thoughts on some things. I know you do as well. But um, I, 
I, I think, first of all, we, we can start with the fact that there has been no movement as far as the edge rusher. The biggest, I think, personnel question, the roster question, there really hasn't even been many rumors, Dan. I think the Bears seem intent on waiting until they reconvene to see what other teams may do with their rosters before they address the biggest hole remaining on theirs. Sure. And and the other part of this is that even NFL general managers and front office people like to take vacation at this time of year. So they, they, they get away from it a little bit and it will probably be in the you know 10 days or so leading up to training camp that a little bit more activity is uh, out there, perhaps even some chatter. And, and we'll keep tabs on that. Um, I thought it'd be fun today uh, and this episode and then the following episode next week to go through the questions we have position by position about this Bears team as they get ready to report to training camp next month i thought it'd be good to start with the defense we can save the offense for a week from now and just kind of kind of zero in you know like i say position by position on the biggest question i have at each position group you can tell me whether you agree it's if it's the right question and what your answers to that is um but i guess starting out you you tell me would you rather go back to front or front to back because i think it's sort of the uh, pecking order of the the level of concern I think I would start – let's start up front. Let's go front to back, starting with the defensive front, because I do think that when you talk about the Bears' defense and how it will be defined, and we'll get to some of the evaluations of the linebacking core later, but how you look at the Bears defensively begins – everything starts up front. Which is what we talked about all through March and April, and here we are now still asking these questions. And so I'll start at the defensive end position, kind of touching on what you just talked about. I think the obvious question would be, who is it? <laughs> Who's going to sign with the Bears? Who's going to be uh, someone that can come in and help enliven that pass rush? Well, that leads me to my question of the, the person that they did sign, and it is, is Demarcus Walker's bite as big as his bark? <laughs> you know, we talked last week about how uh, he certainly talks a good game and he's on his fourth team in seven seasons. The Bears gave him $15.7 million guaranteed on a three-year $21 million deal, which is certainly um, a statement of belief that they think he can be a pass-rushing weapon for him uh, and not just situationally like he was uh, for the Titans and before that with the Texans and Broncos. And so my question there is for you is, is Demarcus Walker's bite as big as his bark? I don't think that uh, you can say the answer is yes. Yeah, I, I tend not to like – and, and that'll come out wrong. I, I, I don't always um, recommend players joining new teams or when, regardless of the sport. When you see a player joining a new team who is maybe marginally qualified, and, and the, we're not talking about uh, – Demarcus Walker is not a Pro Bowl pass rusher. He's not a Pro Bowl anything. And in, 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 he's not an all-star level player. If you are, then you join a new team and you sign a contract and you, it's a free agent thing. Be as bold as you want. So when a guy's talking bigger than he's playing, then I start to wonder exactly what you have in that player. I think he creates an unnecessary set of expectations and brings unwarranted attention on himself. So I don't know why we would, the answer be, of course, he's going to be, you know, worth that because right now I just want, I like guys who just play now, talk later. Yeah. And, and we'll see which direction it goes. You know, the, 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 Guy that this reminded me the most of, as we've kind of gotten to know DeMarcus Walker a little bit better through the spring, is Pernell McPhee. And Pernell McPhee was a guy who signed a, almost a similar deal coming over from the Ravens um, way back when. And he, he had $15.5 million guaranteed from the Bears on a five-year, $38.8 million deal that he obviously didn't get to the end of. And McPhee was one of those guys who was a Wednesday and Thursday star. 
you know, you'd go in the locker room and all the cameras would go to him and they'd get your recorder out and you didn't want to miss what he was going to say because it was always going to be colorful. It was always going to be entertaining. It was always going to be full of passion. And you just loved having him in the locker room for the sake of doing our jobs. And then he missed a lot of games on the field because he was hurt. I think he missed 12 games during his four years with the Bears. And I think ultimately uh, 14 sacks as a Chicago Bear, which is not what you pay for when you're when you're you know giving a guy a five-year 38.8 million dollar contract and so demarcus walker is going to have to make sure that's not who he is that he produces more than just sound bites on wednesday and thursday because the bears are going to need a lot up front to to get their defense humming but the question would be was was he like that in tennessee was he like that with a previous you know, team and market. And, and I, I don't have any indication that and talk to some people down there. I know some people in, in Nashville and somebody with the Titans. I think he was considered a solid guy, not necessarily somebody who whose, you know, could, whose mouth wrote checks, his body couldn't cash, as they say. Yeah. So this was a little bit of a surprise. But, hey, it's early. The offseason, we focus on those things. He has one good game. He gets off to a good start and is a good piece of that part of that rotation. <laughs> Nobody's going to care. Well, look, and I remember talking to Mike Vrabel at the owners meetings in March and him really expressing his um, gratitude for having seen Demarcus Walker have the breakthrough that he had in 2022. And so, you know, the Bears love the passion. They love that that edge and the, the ability to kind of, you know, give that edge to people around them. And they're hoping that that tone setting energy is something that helps them in some way, shape or form. We'll see when the games start being played, what the production looks like. Um, obviously we know they're at a, a, a position. there, a group that, that needs more Travis Gibson, Dominique Robinson are going to be pushed to try to, to, to have bigger years this year than they had a year ago. Um, you've got Terrell Lewis in the mix, had some, some, some nice moments during OTAs and mini camp. And so now it is just about finding somebody, uh, on the edge that that can give you that 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 push. I, is there anybody? I mean, what are the other options? He's going to get a, a chance by default, really. Oh, no he, question. He's going to have to play. Uh, it, it just represents to when they got him. I didn't think that he was going to be all. He's a very he's a complimentary piece, but he's not the main piece, and that's why I think when you talk about this Bears defensive front and some of these expectations that we're seeing expressed about the Bears season overall. I hesitate only because there are so many questions that, you know, you could point out. We could talk, spend the entire time talking about the Bears defensive line and go by player by player. And really the narrative would start to sound the same. I mean, it's not being negative. It's being realistic that you have unproven guys who are going to get opportunities, but for them to succeed, they're going to all have to take advantage of them. Perfect segue. We'll move inside to the defensive tackle position because my my biggest question at defensive tackle is how quickly can Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens make a significant impact. These are two guys that the Bears use day two draft picks on, hybrid defensive tackles that they're, they're looking to get the most out of, guys that they think have not reached uh, anywhere near their potential in college and that they can squeeze even more out of them at the, at the pro level. And so now it is, how quickly can that happen? And, and, and look, Javon Dexter is one of those guys, David, that you watch on the practice field and you see the traits. You understand why the Bears were uh, attracted to that, size that athleticism that kind of skill set well now you kind of trying to convert him a little bit um and and making him do things that he wasn't asked to do in college and you're hopeful that not only can he make a significant impact as a rookie but then he becomes a guy that becomes a second contract guy for you you know four or five years down the road and becomes a cornerstone of your defense well you know that's a good one and, and whether it's it's dexter or or, or pickens I, I do think this about these guys I, and i 
I always hesitate when I, when I refer to them because I lump them. We almost talk about them as yeah, a tandem. Collective. Yeah, agree. And, and, and it takes me back to, because I've been around here long enough to, to like, it, I remember we used to talk about Tommy Hank Harris and Tommy. Johnson. Yep. Yeah, as a tandem. And so when I see these guys as a tandem, I think about, well, geez, you know, if they could grow together and develop at a similar pace, the Bears really do have something here or they could. And so like when I look at this season, I don't expect that to happen immediately because over time you think they will grow together and get better. So when I look at the de defensive line and I, and I look at like, what is the, what, what, who is the guy that represents maybe the, the expectations that may be unrealistic from, from a veteran standpoint, I think the rookies are going to be good at some point. Those are investments over yep. time. Andrew Billings is a guy that they signed with with heavy expectations, and I think that heavy you know, expectations. Want, nice, nicely done there. What what, what do you have? <laughs> what, what do you have there in, in him? And uh, I, I'm not sure. And I and I think that he could be a huge part of this defense. No pun intended there, but he yeah. is a mountain of a man, and, and it just depends on his health, his ability to to impact. Um, the, everyone else on, on that front, uh, on the front four and, and occupy attention. And, and I just don't know. I think Andrew Billings to me is, is as I'm just curious about his development as anybody, because I do expect the rookies to eventually be pretty good. Yeah. And Billings is going to be a guy that should be able to hold down the nose for you. And then when you get into your pass rushing downs, we'll come off the field and, 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 you know, seed playing time to maybe two of these other guys. And it's really going to be interesting because you talk to defensive coaches inside the building, David, and when they talk about Dexter, they talk about the two gap system that he was asked to play at in Florida and basically, you know, off the snap moving horizontally with the offensive lineman. And now they're asking him to use that, that frame and that explosion and athleticism to go vertically, to get inside and dent the pocket and get after the quarterback. And they think that they, can mold this guy but right now he's just a raw block of clay that they've got to figure out what to do with is a kid that um, was a basketball player for a long time you know and so has natural athleticism natural footwork but hasn't been playing football at a high level for a really long time and so it, this is a, a a real dice roll on traits it's a real dice roll on coaching and now you've got to figure out a way to squeeze the most out of this to, to help again a defensive front that that is already lacking on the outside and now you need to, to get some answers in the middle as well neither one of us mentioned justin jones and and i do wonder what do you expect from justin jones this year because he's a guy that the bears bristled when when wondering about the three techniques saying they already had a guy he certainly is is a big talker and isn't afraid to you know say things to try to back them up I don't know what to expect out of him because I, I just don't don't know that we saw enough in year one to be too overconfident heading into year two. Yeah, I, I think Justin Jones is a a um, decent starting defensive tackle, particularly at the three tech position going forward. And I don't have many questions about him because I'm not expecting grand accomplishments and I'm not expecting him to be a failure. He's just kind of one of those guys that, that you know what you're getting out of him week by week. And it's not always going to be um, jump off the, the TV screen impressive, but he, he's a guy that will start for you and, and hopefully bring some of these guys along and we'll just be a key piece in the machine until they find a better piece to go into the machine. <laughs> you know, big picture wise, you take a step back and you look at where the bears are uh, about, uh, you know, almost 18 months into the Ryan Poles era. And he hired Matt Eberflus as, as his number one, uh, thing on his list of to-do things. It, he had a defensive-minded head coach, and we're still talking, you know, heading into season two about the biggest questions being on the defensive line. And, and I don't, I, I didn't expect that. You know, I think so. The, 
th- we're starting at the appropriate spot when we're talking about the roster and the questions that exist, because I think the biggest ones would remain edge rusher and, and the interior defense, your front four, if you will. And for a defensive minded head coach who came here because of his success as a coordinator, I'm somewhat surprised that that's the reality because they have devoted so much attention and time and resources to the offense. I'm surprised that they have neglected the defense. They wouldn't use that verb. It's my word, not theirs. But I do think there's a there are signs of neglect on the defensive front. Yeah, neglect's a strong word for me. Um, I think obviously they're at a a period in their building process where you have to um, devote a lot of resources to getting your answer on on the quarterback, and that'll be a, a huge conversation for next week. And, and and to some extent, there's an expense that comes with that because you can't do everything all at once. The other part of it, when we talk about it. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex oh heaven wait is it getting warm in here your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived spring spring is here which means it's the perfect time to get away in the hyundai you've always wanted visit the hyundai getaway sales event where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning hyundai models like the tech-filled tucson and kona as well as the spacious palisade enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with america's best warranty and three years or 36 thousand miles of complimentary maintenance but hurry in these deals won't last add more joy to your journey at the hyundai getaway sales event now get zero percent apr or up to 1500 bonus cash on the hyundai tucson now during the hyundai getaway sales event offers end soon call 562-314-4603 for details expenses uh, I'll, I'll use this as my transition to the linebacking core because my biggest question with the linebackers is what will be the return on investment in the linebacking core you know what they did in march more than 62 million dollars in guarantees given out to tremaine edmonds and tj edwards as guys that are going to be established veterans expected to be major leaders um major building blocks for this defense and i think you would probably agree that that we say okay we can uh, um concur that these are are good football players with established track records of being quality starters for good teams. But with the investment the Bears put in them, 
how much will they raise the defense? Because that's money that you pay to guys that you expect to raise the defense to a, to a, a great level. And I have some serious questions about it. Well, that's, that's part of my broader point is that it's great to have linebackers, but I do think that you know, we talk about the effect of pass rush on the secondary. I think that the strength of your linebackers is, is very directly related to the, the depth and dominance of your defensive line. And you can spend as much money as the Bears have spent on the linebacking core, but you're, you're being evaluated or, or they're being praised for, for signing guys and getting guys who are uh, number one, probably known for their past defense as linebackers, and they're being graded highly because of that. But I just don't know. You always want to put yourself in that situation. I, I think that the, the strength of the linebacking core, if it's going to be related to the strength of the people in front of them, they're not going to be as good as some people are projecting. They're certainly not the second best unit in the NFL, as Pro Football Focus <laughs> rated them this week. And and I know that they use metrics, and I know that they I, – I have – that's not a knock of PFF. I respect what they do and, and the methods that they use, but I think that's ridiculous. It's, it's, a, it's a premise that uh, – and ridiculous is probably too strong. Let me rephrase that because I have to be careful. I think that that's giving them a lot more credit than I would at this stage of their development because I don't think the Bears have the second best anything in the NFL right now because they're coming off 14 losses. And the new guys are so reliant on, on the help around them that, to me, that's overrating the position group. See, PFF could have been a, a candidate this week for what you're doing, man, because yeah. I don't know what they were doing there. But like like $72 million to, to Tremaine Edmonds on a four-year deal – based largely on their belief that his length makes a difference to what they do is, is a heavy, heavy investment and it's a gamble and it's something they've got to um, get the most out of. We know that the, the ball production there has not been there uh, for Tremaine Edmonds. He hasn't had high volume splash play totals in his career. And so what you're going to have to do is measure his production. And then you're just going to have to see whether um, his presence creates production for the entirety of the defense, you know, whether it's tip passes that get intercepted or, you know, pressures that result in an interception or whatever it may be, you better feel Tremaine Edmonds, not only on an every week basis, but really on an every quarter basis, because that's what you paid him to be for you. Um, and really, I, I probably, uh, you'd probably have to circle all the way back to, to Brian Urlacher to have a, a linebacker that is here in the building that you expect that much of. Am, am I, am I, stretching well, there i think that i really think that even though he's an easy guy to criticize now i guess for a lot of people but i mean roquan smith had heavy expectations he wasn't physically the same body sure. type he wasn't certainly you know long and lean and athletic but i think roquan smith assumed that leadership mantle as much as any linebacker had since Urlacher, and i think that he had the ability to back it up and we're talking about a pro bowl caliber all pro caliber linebacker in Roquan Smith is just that for reasons that, you know, we've, we've litigated and, and re-legislated. I, I think he's not here any longer, but I do think that probably overlooks him a little bit, but beyond sure. that, I, I think you're, you're onto something. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess just from the context for me of like when, when, when Urlacher was at his peak, you 
just knew that whenever the Bears needed to play, that you were going to get it. You know, at, at some point in that drive, at some point in that quarter, he was going to step forward. Obviously, the greatest example ever is that the Arizona game on Monday night in 2006. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you know, and that was a question with Roquan for, for the first few years is, yeah, the production's there. Yeah, those tackle numbers look great when the, you know, stats come out on Monday. But when I watched the game, I didn't I didn't feel you all the time, you know, and, right. and, and that's what you're paying Tremaine Edmonds to be is somebody that that the opposing offense feels at all times and then by extension those of us who are watching the game go man that guy's everywhere and, and that's why i think that i'm hesitant to 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 elevate that group too quickly because i think in buffalo he did not have those kind of numbers but also in buffalo he was successful largely because uh, or at least in, in part because of the defense around him in front of him that helped make him the linebacker he became. And in baseball, I would liken it to if you pay big money for uh, a closer that's capable of 40 saves. Well, you know what? You got to get a lead. And if you have lousy starting pitching, an all-star closer is not going to do you a lot of good. Likewise, in the in the Bears context, if you have a Pro Bowl caliber, very expensive middle linebacker, great. He looks great in pads and he's going to make all sorts of plays. But will he really be able to do what you need them to do at the highest level if you don't have uh, your defensive line. And that's why I felt like if you're going to spend on a deep middle linebacker, you could risk overpaying for an edge rusher. If somebody's out there, you feel like could be a help round out your, your defensive front. Sure. No question about it. All right. We'll, we'll move over to cornerback now. And I think this one's easy, at least from my perspective. My question, my biggest question, and this is a big one. It's got Sharpie around the outline of the question mark. It's, it's what's next for Jalen Johnson. And I think we've obviously documented over the last four or five weeks that he's heading into a contract year, final year of his rookie deal. A guy who has shown flashes of promise through his first three years in the league, believes very highly in where his career is headed. And yet the Bears have to figure out how they value him and where his ball production may come from going forward and, and, and what this looks like. At this point, nobody has publicly said that there's any sort of strains in the relationship, and I don't get any sense behind the seasons that the, uh, scenes that there are. But Jalen Johnson is at a pivotal point in his career. And so what's next for him is, is a fascinating 17-game uh, case study that's going to unfold in front of us really soon. I think that's a good call. Uh, and if I'm Jalen Johnson and you're looking at this, this season ahead of you, I definitely think you're looking at it as – as, as a prove it year, uh, I think that I would approach it that contractually speaking, those things will take care of themselves. I wouldn't give my contract a second thought. I thought his rhetoric, at least at the mini camp uh, or the OTAs when he returned, was the right tone to set. He should yeah. not. He should not be thinking contract. He should be thinking establishing himself as a top half of the league cornerback. In his mind, if he wants to think he could be a top ten quarter cornerback then great. That's what you want to do. The details will come later if he's able to back that up on the field, on tape, and make an impact on Sunday. Jalen Johnson, to me, is like he's one of these guys that sort of represents the struggles in Chicago of processing the whole league, if that makes sense, because he feels like one of the better players on this roster. Well, it's a 14 loss roster. And when then you watch championship football teams, you say, okay, you know, how good would he be on the best defense in the league? And how good would he be if he had better supporting cast around him? Would he be better? And it's one of those things where, you know, I think there's a tendency to, to, to believe that the guys that, that are in your city, are better than they really are because that's all you're watching and you're not seeing the whole thing. And so I, I'm very curious to see where he goes in 2023. Um, you know, look, I've, I've been fascinated with the 2020 
draft class since they got in here. That's a group that also includes Gibson, Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney. This was a group that that was stuck in the COVID era, right? Like they didn't get rookie camp. They didn't get OTAs and mini camp. They didn't get a normal training camp. And so their introduction into the NFL was very abnormal. And all of those guys really were pretty impressive at the way they made immediate emergences, despite the handicaps against them to, to having that normal orientation. And so this is a, a different point now for Jalen and his career to see if he can meet this moment as well. If I said to you, name the rank the cornerbacks in order of the kind of season they will have in 2023, and I said Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon, and Tyreek Stevenson, how would you rank them? Is it a foregone conclusion in your mind that Jalen Johnson will be number one on that list? Does he have to be? For the Bears yes defense to be successful? Yes and yes, I think, in my opinion. I, look, I, I have um, significant belief in Tyreek Stevenson after watching him for a month. I'm really interested to watch him get out at training camp and get in some one-on-ones and have those those daily tests where you get beat two or three times and then you have to see how you respond. You know, that's going to be a test for Tyreek Stevenson for sure. He's got all the physical gifts that say, man, this guy looks the part, particularly for this defense. Um, that'll be fascinating. But I think, yeah, yeah I think Jalen's got to be your number one just because he's established – um, he's going to be playing outside. Kyler Gordon will be in in the slot, and, and you just need him to be a, a difference maker. And and that's what he that's what he wants to be paid like. So go make a difference. So does durability concern you at all when it comes to Jalen Johnson because of his injury situation last year that prevented him from having uh, or playing a full season? And I, and I don't want to overstate that. Yeah. But like you, you want to have your eyes wide open. I do think you're you're right when you talk about in Chicago, like many sports cities, we tend to overvalue players or put them on a level before they actually reach that. that well, and it's just because they're on bad teams, you know, and, and it's just hard to, to gauge in, in that regard. But I, I don't have a, a ton of concern about his durability. He's a tough dude and he played through some stuff earlier in the year. They shut him down toward the end of the year because they were clearly in a mode of let's shut everyone down and let's get out of here with a bunch of losses and let's lose move on. Yeah. And so Jalen, I think he was shut down right, right before Christmas. If I'm not mistaken, I missed the last few games. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think he'll be fine durability wise. It's just a matter of now. Can you be the difference maker that, that you want to, to, to be seen as? How about safety? Any questions about yeah, the safety? I do. I, so my, my, my question that I wrote down is I'll, I'll amend it, but my question that I wrote down is where is the depth for the sake of this discussion? I'll ask you, name me four safeties. On the, can you name me four safeties on the bears roster? Wow. Well, I, they, they still have, well, I know the two starters with Brisker and, and, and uh, Eddie Jackson, the kid from Cal uh, who was drafted in seventh round last year, still around, right? Hicks. Yeah. Um, and so that's three. I think the DHC is still on the street somewhere about ready to, you know, be called back into some NFL camp. My se- my sense is that he's only a phone call away, but he's not on the roster now. I'd really have to do some research <laughs> here, Dan, because off the top of my head, nobody jumps off the page or uh, go to the front of my uh yeah, in my brain. And we went. We went. Eddie Jackson, Jaquan Brisker, uh, 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 the kid from Cal. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean that, and that that that's the answer to the question, right? Where's the depth? Because you do have Elijah Hicks from Cal, and he, you know, he, he's a guy that I'm curious to watch and see if he can take the next step in year two. They they used another late, late, late day three pick on Kendall Williamson from Stanford. That guy. April. Yeah, that guy yeah. as well, right? There's a Stanford Adrian, guy. Adrian Colbert's on the roster. You got Braylon Trahan and a bunch of other guys that will be taking reps back there. But, man, like, you know, if, if there is durability problems at safety, all of a sudden you go from 
uh, a starting duo that you believe strongly in, in Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker to, oh, God, now what, right? And Eddie Jackson, yeah. obviously, coming back from a Liz Frank injury. Also, don't keep an eye on this. This is at least worth mentioning. I love Jaquan Brisker, but Jaquan Brisker suffered two concussions in the same game in Atlanta and then was out for three weeks, you know, in the dark, literally, for, for, for multiple weeks as he came back from a concussion. And for guys that play like Jaquan Brisker plays – those things can add up quickly. And so so that that was not an insignificant little injury in November. It's something to keep on the front burner because Jaquan Brisker is one of the most fearless, most aggressive hitters and players that you're going to find in the league. He has a bright future, but those types of things are all married together, particularly in the, the 2023 version of the NFL. So do you think this comes up in the, when the Bears discuss these depth issues? Do you think that because they are first on the list of, of – teams that can claim players on waivers that they look at edge rusher and they think, well, all you got to do is you could sign a guy on a Tuesday and put him in the huddle on a Sunday. And he's still going to be able to get to the quarterback by the same token in this defense, free safety is not exactly, you know, going to be a, a difficult concept to grasp. Deep is the deepest. Wide is the widest. You, you play in the hash. And I mean, there are a lot of other things that go into it, but if Eddie Jackson goes down, I think maybe theoretically, do they feel like they can claim somebody and plug and play? Whereas, because I, they don't have any obvious answer. And it has surprised me that you got a guy coming back from a serious injury like that. They're not really protected against the fact that he could have some sort of step back or, or, or setback in, in, in his health and, and not be available. Yeah, it's not a question that we've really dug into much with the the people up there. And so when we get back in, in July and into early August and start talking again to Matt Eberflus and, and Alan Williams and, and their secondary coaches, it'll be interesting to kind of get their take on what they're doing um, with, with the safety position and how they can kind of cultivate depth without having to rely on, oh, we, oh by the way, we can claim someone the instant they're let go somewhere else. I don't remember what the number was. I, you, you might be able to correct me on this from – um, things that you've talked about on the air, but did it wasn't it like six guys that they claimed after uh, the 53 roster, man roster was initially six set before they played in, in, in NFL one. high. They, they yeah. had more than any other team. That's why, Dan, we could spend all offseason breaking down the rosters, projecting the 53, and then 47 through 53 are yeah. going to be guys who you have to Google <laughs> on the Monday after final cutdown. Yep, Labor Day, Labor Day, always, always the who are these guys uh, edition of uh, of the roster. And so, yeah, I mean, look, like this is going to be really fascinating to see where they go there. Um, again, like I, I'll reiterate that it, at full strength, Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker have a chemistry and uh, a proven track record of being able to have impacts on games. Both played really well last year, particularly at the start of the year when they were both together. Um, now it's a matter of keeping them together and keeping them healthy so that you don't have to answer those questions down the, the depth chart and, and go looking for mug shots and bios and everything else to figure out who that is that just came on the field. All right, any other defensive questions before we wrap up the defensive portion of the conversation? No, that's every position. And I think uh, we, we illuminated there that there are – significant questions and that is to be expected for a team that finished uh, last place and uh, worst record in the league last year hey everybody i'm mark shanowski along with one of the nba's most popular analysts stacy king we're inviting you to join us on the gimme the hot sauce podcast so join us every week here in the hot sauce studios where we'll be talking about basketball football mma entertainment and unique viewpoints from a group of sports experts having a few brews that's right listen up on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. 
We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I have one more defensive question for you before we change gears. Do you think that Noah Sewell will challenge Jack Sanborn, who missed the minicamp because of an injury, uh, do you think that the rookie could supplant the second-year, you know, uh, fan favorite at, at strong side linebacker, even though it's not a position that you're going to see more than half of the time? That's going to be a training camp storyline to watch for sure. Jack Sanborn, remember, had his rookie season cut short late in the year due to injury and and hasn't been back practicing since. And so it wasn't just the mini camp he missed. He missed the whole off-season program on the field, the OTAs. And so their expectation is that he will be 100% full go and greenlit when training camp starts next month. And Matt Eberflus said that he will be your number one uh, in that position, but Sewell will be challenging. And they obviously used a draft pick on him with the expectation that, hey, we want you to become something for our football team. And so how quickly he can get it is is certainly uh, worth keeping an eye on. So, okay, I, I have a couple questions left then for you. So when you talk about position battles that are unresolved after the final minicamp practice last week, is that one at the top of the list? I really don't think the center is a position battle, even though they nope. may want to claim that, you know, Cody Whitehair and Lucas Patrick are battling and even whatever. He may, Cody Whitehair is going to make $9.9 million unless he's cut, and I don't think they're going to cut him. So that, to me, is the starting center. I don't know any, any other positional battles. Maybe running back? Could yeah, that be uh, a, a bigger one? Well, I would say running back, and then I would say whatever you're doing down the depth chart at receiver. Like, you know, who? how is this going to shake out? you know, three, four, five, six. And and obviously we know the injuries with Claypool and Mooney and how those may factor into things. But those are certainly the running back battle is going to be one that we'll, we'll start to get a better look at once they're able to actually do some running, which is not really allowed during the offseason program. Because I think no we'll bad. save the fierce Tyler Scott versus Bayless Jones Jr. debate for another day. Perfect. We got offense next week, so just save it for there, and we'll Let's uh, do it that. We'll rock right. and roll. Speaking of offense, and maybe we can address this more uh, next week, but I did want to ask your impressions because – you know, you, you've been out there all throughout the offseason, the OTAs and the minicamp. And then last week after the minicamp, there was a report from our friends at uh, AM1000. Mark Silverman uh, said that Chase Claypool is has run afoul of or I, I forget how it was worded, but the Bears are unhappy with him, either his availability or his attitude or a combination of both. But Sylvie's report left the suggestion that Claypool – was somebody who has fallen a little bit out of favor. Have you heard similar things and how much credence should people put in that in terms of worrying about Claypool, who's facing a very big year for him contractually and otherwise? Yeah, I'll try to put this as directly as I can. There were zero parts of that report that surprised me. There were zero parts of that report that I would take uh, umbrance with. I think that you have a guy that the bears want more out of. You have a guy that the bears understand what they traded away to get. And they would like him to be on the practice field in the spring, developing timing and rapport with his quarterback. They would like him to be producing on game days. Like he didn't a year ago, as he was obviously learning the offense and trying to find his way around. And then obviously getting hurt a little bit and then Justin getting hurt and all that continuity disrupted, but they, you know, this is not an investment where you can just shrug and go, Oh, well, didn't work out. 
I mean, you gave away the number 32 overall pick for a guy that you expected to be part of your offense for more than 15 months. You know, like the, the, you, you don't trade the number 32 overall pick for a 15 month rental of a last place team. <laughs> and so, so uh, yes, they expect a lot more out of them. Yes. They, you know, they have spoken um, about the challenges that they want to put forth with Chase Claypool. There have been conversations about retaining emotional equilibrium through the ups and downs of an NFL season and making sure that um, your, your very real passion is used in the right way. So look, like I go into training camp having a ton of questions about Chase Claypool, none of them having been answered in the spring for the six practices we were out to see and having no real confidence that he is going to be the player that, as we've talked about previously, that I think he thinks he is. Do you think there's some element of the Bears that, number one, not terribly unhappy that, that such a report or even a rumor, if it's unfounded, is out there because of the pressure it places on Claypool to maybe prove some people wrong? And then it makes me wonder about may, perhaps if, if that may have, uh, you know, originated, you know, from somebody with that intent. You never quite know in the NFL, but, but it did cross my mind when you have somebody as um, – Hard to figure right right now as Chase Claypool because of all the reasons you've articulated. But I wonder I wonder if they're, they're not that unhappy that this kind of thing is out there. Yeah, I don't think they're happy or unhappy with it. I think that they know the direct challenges that they've put on Chase Claypool's plate, and they are hoping that he responds to them. We'll see. You know, we'll get we'll get six and a half weeks of training camp uh, leading up to the regular season to see how much he practices, to see how he looks during practice, to see if he's able to, again, retain that emotional equilibrium that we've talked about multiple times and, and, and figure out a way to become a positive force and an offense that needs positive forces. Because, oh, by the way, this offense was uh, a, a bit of a mess last year outside of the, the ad lib. Justin Fields runs that came in in a flurry here and there. Okay, those are all the football thoughts I have for today while I try to process this Chris Paul trade. Um, <laughs> so what else do we want to get to? Because I think you have something you want to get off your chest, and I want to give a shout-out to a Take the North listener that uh, stopped me this week and had some nice things to say about the pod. All right, I'll start with uh, two uh, two things, a shout-out, and then uh, I want to pick your brain on something from the youth baseball front. So get ready to have like a four-minute youth baseball discussion okay. with me. The 10U Glenview Royals did win the championship on Saturday, the day before Father's Day, a 6-4 win over the Orioles in the title game. I can tell you, as a dad, uh, being in that moment in a really fun environment, uh, that was a cool moment there to watch our team, which was the best all year, by the way. Uh, and I talked about it after the draft. I said, I said we walked out of the yardhouse after the draft in April and I looked at our roster and said this is going to be hard for this team to beat I was right David so congrats to that group of boys who forgot that moment it was was the most most united uh group of kids that I've ever been around and that's like a really really fun thing to sounds uh, like a movie to have I I, I'm telling you the 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 parents after the championship game we were all just talking about how uh lucky we all got to have that group to come together and then again a 6-4 win which ended with a strikeout of a really good hitter with one of the best hitters in the league on deck with the, the basically the tying run at the plate that uh, tell you a little bit about the, uh, the pressure. And my son told me, he goes, dad, I couldn't breathe on that last pitch. And then I started to get tears in my eyes. I said, all right, that's, that's how I know your mind. The paternity test can be canceled because <laughs> <laughs> you're emotional in the big moments. So congrats there. So the other part, so now I move you over to the travel scene We played a game last night. Uh, back on a field in Park Ridge where, where I played when I was 9 and 10 years old. And ha- I never complain about umpires, David, ever. 
I'm going to come on the podcast and complain about umpires. I really respect the job these people do. It's a thankless job. I typically try to learn their names and thank them when the game's over. We had a guy last night against a team that we probably weren't going to beat anyway. I give them all the credit in the world because they're a much better team than us. But he had a, a strike zone the size of an envelope. And then he was trying to, like, stir up conflict every time we asked him where the pitch was. And it got really tense really quick. And I'm just really curious how you would respond to this because I went and ran the numbers this morning from the Game Changer app. This team scored against us. They scored 11 runs in the first inning on three hits, two ground ball singles and a line drive, which tells you that there were a lot of walks and a lot of walks that had the old coaches in, in, in the dugout scratching their head and maybe making a couple comments. I looked it up this morning. The, the other team that we played, the Park Ridge team, swung at two of the first 36 pitches in the first inning. Only two? Two of the first 36. They were yeah. either balls or, or, or called strikes, and they were just sitting with the bat on their shoulder. It was the first time I ever felt like, there's something weird about this whole thing. And I, I don't normally bring that up, and I'm probably going to get skewered for it. But, like, okay, I would not go to the guy directly. I would not go <laughs> to the umpire directly. I would go to uh, whoever is the commissioner of the league or the umpires association, if you have such a thing. And I would just ask them what they would, what you would do with this information and then make them aware. So the ump, the umpire was pushing back and he was saying, I'm calling it consistently. And we're like, well, it's consistently bad. And then he would, would respond back with, this is 10 U baseball. And we're like, yeah, that's the point. That's why you give a little bit of leniency with your strike zone. So you don't have nine kids in the field with their thumbs up their butt for 36 pitches where yeah. only two are swung at the, the game was over quickly. And we ended up getting beat in, in four innings, but it, it, it's just one of those things where like, what are we doing? You know, like yeah. this is, let the kids play. On base percentage shouldn't be a thing in uh, in ten and under baseball. Gross. So but, thank you for letting me get that off yeah, my chest. And neither should robot umps. I, I would not recommend the GoFundMe page for robot umps. I got to. You, you want me to, I was gonna say you want me to take that down. I put that yeah, up this I morning. You're gonna have to take that down. <laughs> I worried about that because I thought, is this related to your gripes about the umpiring? So take down the GoFundMe page for robot umpires, and I would take it to the highest level and kind of go around him in case he has some sinister motives. Maybe somebody was buying him a, you know, one of those, uh, an ice cream cone or something afterwards. I'm not Somebody's sure. going to have to check the geolocations on all the DraftKings and FanDuel bets that were placed on that <laughs> game last night, right? I mean, that, that's that's the surest way to figure out what was happening there. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's <laughs> fun. Well, good luck solving that riddle. That's, that's good. I'm glad I don't have to deal with that stuff anymore. Uh, I, I, that's the part about youth sports I do not miss, although yeah. there are other things. Um, wanted to give a shout-out to a good listener. Stop me. Um, at, at a pro shop, a golf uh, shop the other day. He is um, Jeffrey Zerwitz is a r regular listener of the Take the North podcast and says he likes the, he loves the Bears, loves talk, hearing us talk about the Bears. Um, I asked him if it bothered him that you were grumpy all the time. He said, no. <laughs> I'm not. I, I know. I'm just kidding. But um, a, a good listener and, and a good guy. And so if you want any personal golf lessons that I think. What were that, you doing at uh, the golf shop? Uh, exchanging golf balls uh, as from I'm not I wasn't perfecting my swing I'm not a big golfer but my mom had bought uh, somebody some golf balls and she asked me to exchange them because okay. she bought the wrong color of golf ball so I had a box of uh, yellow golf balls and um, she wanted white okay well well so. at least it, it gave you an opportunity to meet Jeffrey it and hopefully Jeffrey's yeah. listening here I hope we get a little bit you know it look like we're coming up now on our year anniversary of the pod and hopefully our our uh, Listener involvement can, can 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 grow here in year two. It's been a fun uh, a fun run to this point. 
Yeah, I would like like to take as many questions as possible because you know we, but they all start start to sound alike. But we should we should solicit some more. But they're all about Justin Fields. Everybody wants to talk about Justin Fields, <laughs> which we didn't even talk about this time. So that's that's actually progress. Next time we'll talk about Justin Fields. But you you got that wrong. Everybody wants to talk about Justin Fields until they don't want to talk about Justin Fields because what you're telling them isn't what they want to hear, and then they don't want to talk about it anymore, and they say it's just June. That's interesting. We have a question on the Mullen Haw show that came up this morning that we're going to address in detail uh, tomorrow about the most inaccurate narrative in Chicago sports. And there's some element of me that wonders if it is involves the Bears progression or expected uh, improvement, let's say, in 2023. And that's something that's probably worth exploring at some point on the pod. I, I, well, I'm going to tune into what you guys say on Mully and Haw, and then we'll figure out how we can expand on it from there. That's good. That's a good answer, Dan. That's a good answer. Anything <laughs> else that we have forgotten or overlooked? Uh, I, there's a couple other things we can wait until next time. Stadium yeah, no, thing I, I just... want to get to next time. I think the stadium issue uh, and how Chicago may be trying to get back into the picture or maybe stay in the picture, I think we, we should probably look at a little bit deeper next time. We'll wrap things up now for the Take the North podcast. You can catch us on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can uh, find Dan's work on chicagotribune.com, and you can listen to what I have to say about the Bears and everything else, including all those crazy NBA trades, on the Mullen Haw Show, 530 to 10 on 670 to score. For Adam Sadzinski and Dan Weeder, I'm David Haw. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast. Great talk. See you out there.